Welcome to the Second Generation Women podcast. I'm Van Anne, a second generation Vietnamese Australian on my journey away from being the busy primary school teacher into a slower, more present version of myself. This podcast is here to help you rediscover what it is you want and to begin letting go of cultural pressure from the outside world. Yes, you'll question your identity, your life decisions, and begin trusting yourself to fully live with intention and connection. I'm so excited to be your host and walk you through this journey. Let's get into the episode. Thank you for joining me for the second ever episode of the Second Generation Women podcast. In this episode, we're talking all about our career and feeling the need to stay in your career or to change into something that you're more passionate about. So my goal for this episode is to reassure you that pivoting and transitioning in and out of careers is so normal. Just know that it's okay if you're dreading work or you're finding it boring or not fulfilling enough for you. But I'm here to help release some of that pressure to stay at your job out of comfort because it's easy, because it's safe. So let's first assess how you are feeling in your job right now. Are you feeling stuck because you're not exactly passionate about it? Or because you were encouraged to get into that career in the first place without really having a say in it? Or because you were like me and just felt like you had to pick something. And even if it wasn't something that jumped out at you, it was still something that you didn't mind doing. So have a think about that first while I describe some symptoms that you may experience in your job right now. Are you dreading work each morning? So especially on Monday morning or Friday afternoons, you're cheering like, yay, Friday. Or maybe you're not feeling challenged enough that you can't really progress or grow professionally. Or maybe you just don't find your job that fulfilling. You're just helping grow this company and sometimes it even requires you to jeopardize your values or you feel like you're not really helping people. Because I know a lot of you out there want to make a difference, want to help people, but you're feeling stuck in this job, not really sure if you should continue staying there or you should move on. And that's why I mentioned staying at your job out of comfort because we are thinking about the future, about what could possibly happen if we were to change. There's this kind of fear that we feel when we are faced with uncertainty, where we don't know what's going to happen. There's no security. There's no stability in anything that we do. There's no guarantee that we're going to be happy after this. So a lot of us might feel scared of this change, fear of the unknown, right? A lot of us feel like we need the reassurance that things are going to go smoothly. You might also feel guilty about changing jobs because you've put in all this time and effort and money on your education to get to this job, right? Maybe you spent three, four, five years at university putting all this effort into your assignments and, and making sure that you get your degree in the end. And you worked up all these years for this moment now to finally have a job. And you might feel really guilty because your parents may have supported you a lot throughout this process in your education, maybe allowing you to go to tutoring and financially supporting you for your uni fees and all that stuff. 
so your parents' money feels like it's gone down the drain. You might also feel like you're letting your parents down because all they've wanted for you was to have a certain kind of lifestyle, you know, to be able to support yourself, to make sure that your career is stable and secure for your future, for your family. And even if they weren't supportive of it before, they've accepted it now and they're expecting you to continue with that job and only to grow, not to go backwards. That's a huge thing because we always want to move upwards and onwards, but we never want to take steps back. And we see that as a huge downgrade, especially if your finances change, if you've had some sort of independence that you were able to look after yourself, look after your family, and then now all of a sudden you can't do that anymore. There's that guilt there. And of course, our parents only want the best for us. I'm sure they're not sitting there talking about how you've made a huge mistake or that you're thinking about making a huge mistake. It's probably just all in your head because all our parents want is for us to be happy, for us to be financially stable and to have a better life without struggle, which is what they might have had to go through. So this pressure that we feel and the expectations to climb the corporate ladder or to be hugely successful or to have some huge achievements, make a name for ourselves. It's something that we've placed on ourselves. It might have started from our parents and from their expectations of us to have a good life. But in the end, it's down to us whether we adopt that mentality or we completely change and find fulfillment in our lives. So let me tell you about my experience with it because I struggle with this a lot. And I've mentioned a few bits here and there in my story in the first episode, but there might be a a few other things I want to mention now that we're diving deeper into it. So let's just start from school because that's where a lot of this mentality of wanting to achieve and to be successful, that's where it all started. And throughout primary school, high school, I just studied really hard. I wanted to get really good grades. I wanted to basically be a really good student because that's what I thought was going to help me be successful. Being a good student meant that I'll be a good employee and I'll make good money and I'll have a good life. So that's how I was like throughout school. But let's skip ahead to year 10. And as I've mentioned before, this was one of the first big moments in terms of my career. Because in year 10, I had to choose my subjects for year 11 and 12. And my school made a big deal out of choosing these subjects, especially because in uni, we had prerequisites where we had to choose subjects that were appropriate and were the foundations for our course. So in year 10, I was like, all right, I'll flip through this huge job guide. It had all these possible jobs in it, which now looking back, there are so many jobs that aren't even on there. But I flipped through this huge book, every single page, back to back. I've read all the job descriptions. And after reading this through multiple times, I decided to do optometry. So I was thinking, that's it. In uni, I'm going to study that and then I'll get a good job in like an office or a doctor's clinic or something like that. And I'll start my career. So I chose subjects that were relevant. So of course we all had to do English 
And then I chose the three most relevant ones were extension maths, chemistry, and physics. So these subjects were a requirement to get into optometry. And if we didn't do these subjects in high school, then we had to do some extra studying before our uni course started, which I definitely didn't want to do because that would obviously waste time, quote unquote waste, because I wanted to get there as fast as I could. And not only would it be a waste of time, but it would require some extra money as well to pay for those extra classes. So I took this quite seriously. I continued these subjects for years 11 and 12. And then by the end of, well, even probably before that, just in year 11, I was thinking, never mind. I don't think I want to do optometry anymore. (laughs) Because studying physics and chemistry, they were not my strongest subjects. And it took me a lot of mental energy to understand what was even going on. And in the end, for my HSC results, chemistry and physics were my lowest scores. So that reinforced the idea that, okay, I made the right decision. Optometry was not for me. So in year 12, we had to sit the HSC, the highest score certificate, and we had to take an exam for every single subject we chose. And then based on our scores for that, we would receive an ATAR. Not sure what that stands for anymore. So that ATAR was what was required to get me into uni and each course had a minimum ATAR requirement. So I studied my butt off to get a high score so that would open all these doors for me because I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do still and having a high score just allowed me to pick whatever I wanted because a lot of the sciences or even teaching required a certain score and if you didn't reach that then you wouldn't get into the course. So by the end of year 11, I think it was then, I decided to go back to tutoring. So I went to tutoring like ages ago, like in primary school, like year four, five, six. And then I went back to other other places. Then I stopped tutoring, then I went back and whatever. I took a huge break and only went back in year 11 because I wanted help with maths. Because I was doing extension maths, I really enjoyed it actually but I still needed a lot of help with it, a lot of practice, a lot of further explanation. So I wanted to go back to tutoring just for maths, but I didn't go to tutoring for anything else. So I kind of struggled in chemistry and physics all by myself. And my friends just helped me who were all like, just they just got it straight away, which was so confusing to me. And this was really my time to shine because taking exams and like studying for tests, that's kind of the way that I shine, not in speaking, even though I'm creating and recording this podcast right now. This also requires a lot of editing, but speaking is not as strong as me memorizing all these facts in my brain and then dumping it all on the page. So when it came to exams, I ended up doing really well and I really surprised myself with my ATAR, but but having a good ATAR allowed me to get into my first preference, which was primary school teaching at the University of Sydney, or as we call it, UCID. So that was a huge achievement. I remember calling my parents and telling them my ATAR, and I was just so thrilled that I got a higher score than I thought I could because I was really worried that I wouldn't even get into uni, that I would have to go to TAFE. And there was this one conversation with my mum about going to TAFE 
because I was so worried that I wouldn't make it to uni and that that would be my only option. And my mom, as as a person who had gone through TAFE, she studied early childhood at TAFE. So she had gone through this whole experience and she thought, yeah, that's fine. Like as long as you get a job out of it, it doesn't matter if you went to TAFE or to uni because in the end you can still get a job. So this was total reassurance to me because I didn't expect that to come out of my mum's mouth, especially as an immigrant herself. She always valued education. And so I thought university was the only route. And if I didn't make it there, then I was a total failure. So hearing that from my mum was a huge weight off my shoulders. So after being offered my very first preference of a Bachelor of Primary Education, well, actually a Bachelor of Education, brackets primary, I went into uni. I spent four years there, basically just studying, going home and working. So I didn't really make the most of my uni life. But everything I did was very strategic. I got a part-time job at a tutoring center. It was actually where I went as a child too. So (laughs) it was all coming full circle. But I worked there starting from my second year of uni because everything I did, I wanted to support my future as a teacher. So I wanted to get experience with teaching and just talking to kids and seeing what they were actually like. And as I said in my previous episode, I just went to uni, studied on the train sometimes, also did some work during my long breaks. Like I would go to the library and do extra work. I did all my readings. I did all my assignments to the best of my ability, not just calculating my marks and trying to get a pass, which a lot of people did. But I found that in education, it was so different. A lot of my friends and a lot of people that I talked to as teachers or as primary school teachers, they actually tried to do their best because they cared. They cared about what they were learning and how it was going to impact the kids. They cared about the effort that they actually put into it. So I did that for four years. And for primary school teaching, every year we had placement. I'm not sure about how it is now, but every year we did have some experience in a school, in a classroom, working with children. So in my final year, I had a placement and I had an internship. And none of these were paid, by the way. In teaching, that's just how it is. We don't get paid for our work. And that still continues now, actually. But in my final year, I had a four-week placement, I think. And then at the same school, at towards the end of the year, I also had an internship, which went on for like the whole term, like about nine or 10 weeks. And that was when I had a really good taster of what teaching was really like, because four weeks was quite short, but nine or 10 weeks, that felt like, well, I'm a full-time teacher. <laughs> but as an intern, I had to teach a lot more as well. So I had a lot more experience. I didn't actually have a teacher with me at all times, watching over me, making sure I was doing the right thing because I had quite a lot of experience already. But I found out from that internship experience, I found out that I really enjoyed teaching and working with kids was something that I could see myself doing for a little while at least. And so towards the end of my internship, the principal had asked me if I wanted a job there for the next year. It was a temporary job. It was one year on contract full time. And I was like, yay, I was cheering. I couldn't believe that my skills were noticed, that I was actually of value because 
obviously I had some feedback from my other pracs and my other placements, but I didn't know if it was good enough to be a full-time teacher. I was thinking I might have to get into casual teaching and then slowly get my foot in the door. Little did I know, I just got a job and I was so thrilled with that because that was what I wanted. I wanted a full-time job to start my career and to really build on my skills as a teacher because I wanted to be the best teacher that I could. And so after uni and after my internship, I went straight into the workforce, was a full-time teacher, had my own groups of kids and and I worked in so many different roles within the school. And that was how I was able to see all the different roles that were possible in a school. I enjoyed doing all those different jobs and changing from one class to another and supporting children in so many different ways. I got to really see what the school was like as a whole and kind of put all these little pieces together. So I taught at that school for four years before I kind of started getting the feeling that there were some things I didn't enjoy anymore, that I wasn't living aligned with my values. I felt like it was work versus everything else. Like I barely had time to finish all my work. I had to do so much after school. I came in early before school. Like our school is like, people think school is working from nine to three. I literally got to school at like 7.30 in the morning. I'd leave the house at seven, get to school 7.30 and then teach the whole day. And then I'll stay back and do some extra planning and prepping until like four, 4.30, sometimes even five o'clock. And then when I got home, I was still doing work. Like I would take some things home with me. And I just felt like work took over my life, which was fine at first because I felt like I was a new teacher trying to get my head around everything because that's what normally happens, right? You become good at something and then starts getting easier and takes up less of your time. So with these realizations, I was kind of thinking a lot of my time was taken up by work. Even on the weekends, I was planning for the week ahead that I didn't really have time to spend with my family that much, except for special occasions and dinner. I didn't really have time for my friends as much as I would have liked. And even going to the gym and looking after my health, like I didn't really exercise that much during these years as well. So I felt like this was kind of against my values and I didn't want to spend all that time on prepping schoolwork and thinking about the kids as much as I love them. I just couldn't do that for the rest of my life. And some other reasons, of course, like I didn't want to become an assistant principal or a deputy principal or had no intentions of ever becoming a principal, that's for sure. I just wanted to spend time with the kids. And so I kind of felt stuck. And the only ways that I could change up my job was to work with different cohorts of kids. So with all the extra work, I started really experiencing a lot of chronic pain. And this was mostly around my neck shoulder traps area it would come up regularly like I would I wouldn't even think about a day where I didn't have neck pain like it was always there in the background and that certain things would trigger that pain like working too long and spending so much time thinking about the admin side of teaching that would trigger my pain as well and I looked into a bit on google I know it's not the best thing to do to google your pain and your sicknesses and your illnesses but I 
went to the doctor before and they couldn't really tell me much except that it was from stress. So I thought, okay, I'll change things up because this pain was sometimes becoming unbearable. Like I would, I kind of don't like taking a lot of medication on a regular basis. So I kind of only used it when I was in severe pain and that kind of pain radiated up my neck and gave me headaches. And from my research, they're called tension headaches. Correct me if I'm wrong. But that pain got my neck, give me like migraines and headaches. And it was so bad that sometimes I couldn't even sleep because of that pain. And because I didn't want to do all this extra work and all the pain that it caused me from doing all the extra work, I started dreading work in general. Not going into work because once I was there, it was actually a good time. But the workload and having to spend so much extra time on it. And I think all of that was the pressure I put on myself. The school expected certain things, but I just went above and beyond and wanted to do extra for my class. So that really didn't help at all. But I really started dreading work at this point. And my pain was getting so bad. All these things that I tried didn't work. Like to lower your stress, like trying to manage your time and trying to set your boundaries and all those things didn't work for me at all. Because with the pressure that I felt... It didn't matter how much time I saved because I would just continually add on to that. And the more things I ticked off my to-do list, the more things I would write. And I felt like every meeting at school was kind of like that as well. So I started looking into other things like hobbies and things I could do to get my head out of work. I was also really pressured to help my students achieve Because all the assessments that we do at school and the reports and everything, we had to show that the kids were growing in some way. And so I put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure that they were growing, that they were hitting their benchmarks, they showed growth in their learning, and that they were on track to reaching their next milestone. So all that was to say that I needed something else outside of work. And that's when I started looking into becoming a pop Pilates instructor because I loved Blogilates on YouTube. Her workouts were great and I wanted a slower way of working out. So I was really interested in Pilates and I started looking into becoming an instructor. So I had to learn from the video modules. I had to train and practice the skills, learn the foundations of Pilates and then submit two videos to be assessed on. So eventually I became certified, but I didn't teach for quite a while until COVID hit. And when I started teaching, I loved it. But I never thought that I could do this full time because I didn't want to become like a personal trainer or just a Pilates instructor full time. So I strictly kept this as a hobby, but it really helped to get my mind off schoolwork but it kind of added to the stress a little bit as well to prepare for the classes. Actually, rewind a little bit before the Pilates thing. I was actually getting into a network marketing company and really interested in just finding other ways to work and earn money. Even though I'm no longer doing that, I still have learned a lot from that experience of just putting yourself out there, trying something different And knowing that working nine to five is not the only option, that there were so many other ways to earn money that I just wasn't aware of yet. 
So I went from the network marketing company, doing that on the side, not really getting very far because I was just so afraid of putting myself out there. And knowing that it was like an MLM that a lot of people were like, ooh, I don't really want to do that. That was what kind of what stopped me. So going from that to becoming a certified popularized instructor and working at the school, being a tutor. I tutored for a long time, for like six years or something like that, or even longer. I have no idea. But I was doing so much. So after all that, I changed schools thinking I needed a change of scenery, just working with different demographics of children and closer to home as well. And so I worked there for a little while before I found out about life coaching. So after I found out about life coaching, I went down a huge rabbit hole searching everything I could about life coaching because I had never heard of it before. And then starting to get into the space, I found out about a few other people who just gave a lot of free content. So I kind of consumed all of that. I was so intrigued about everything about this life coaching thing. And so I found out everything I could, wanted to see if this was something that I could potentially do in the future. And if you know me, I don't really like research at all, unless it's something that I really am interested or passionate about, which I spent so many hours after school researching about life coaching. Like, trust me, you don't want to see all my history, which I probably removed by now. So after months of research, I came across a life coaching certification program, which if you've listened to my first episode, then you know that I've spent over $6,000 on that course so I can become certified and just learn the skills. I was thinking I might just continue with teaching for a few more years and then slowly ease my way into life coaching and transition out of school. But after going into the video modules and learning so much about life coaching and the impact that it could have, I decided to take a break from teaching. And I was thinking, okay, I'll finish off the year with my year two class. And then next year I'll go into casual teaching. So I'll maintain that while also doing this on the side so that I would still have money come in because I would probably die if I didn't. Knowing that Raymond would have to support the both of us would kind of make me hesitant. But that was my plan. And I waited a good like seven months until it actually happened. So towards the end of the year, I had to speak to the principal about my plans for the following year. And I just told her that I wanted to do casual teaching. And I used the excuse of wedding planning, (laughs) which I can probably only use that for this year until the wedding. And then after that, I probably have to tell her. (laughs) But that final like month of teaching in my class, I was just so excited for the end of teaching full-time and moving into casual work. And when the year finally was over, that was when I hired my first business coach, Gabby. She is amazing. She has taught me everything that I know about starting a business. She helped me build a solid foundation and worked with me on my mindset around my fears, my discomfort with doing things a certain way. And she helped me get it to where it is now. But I knew that starting a business is something that I have no experience with whatsoever. So I knew I had to get support and there were so many things that I needed to work on. But all the things that I learned from teaching 
from network marketing, from being a Pilates instructor. Those have all led up to this moment right now where I'm sitting here recording this podcast because without all of that, I wouldn't have the courage, the knowledge, the experience to even start this at all. So now after telling you my story, let me tell you about some of the fears that came up because it wasn't just one particular fear at one specific moment. It was throughout the whole time before any big changes. So right before I became a casual teacher, I had a lot of fear around my future because I was thinking, what if this life coaching thing doesn't work out? What if it does? There was a fear around that too, because I didn't want my uni degree to go to waste. My parents helped me pay for it. And I had spent four years of my life working on that. And I spent four years working full time as a teacher and I didn't want any of that to go to waste. So I felt like I was, I was like, scrap that, like 10 years of my life down the drain. So I was really hesitant on changing anything. I wanted to keep being a teacher, but at the same time, I really didn't want to stay teaching at a school full time. And of course, my parents don't want this uncertainty for me as well. They didn't want this lack of security or stability. And I didn't want them to be worried. So I didn't tell them for a long time. And the funny thing is my parents didn't really want me to be a teacher in the first place because of the salary. The only good thing about teaching was that the hours were kind of better as you didn't physically have to be at school and the holidays, the school holidays, which were like two weeks between the terms and then a And then a couple of weeks for the summer holiday. So that was the only thing that helped them support my decision to become a teacher in the first place. And I didn't want to prove to them that I had made the wrong decision. That they were like, oh, you should have done this instead. Like that, I told you so. Like I didn't want to hear that. I also felt ashamed of not having my life figured out. Because I was 25, 26 at the time. And even though I had my whole life ahead of me. I just felt like I was like a real adult and I needed to have my life figured out because I wanted to get married. I wanted to have kids. And there was this particular timeline, you know, which was thought up like when I was a teenager or something, which my life did not go according to that plan at all. I just wanted everything to follow this perfect timeline, this schedule and and feel like I was this perfect person, which clearly I'm not. But I felt like I needed that. Like I was putting on a show for everybody else. And looking back now, of course, it was valid for me to feel all those feelings, but it wasn't helpful or true. Like I didn't need to stay in my job. I wouldn't have wasted all my money because I gained a lot from it. But it took me two years to get here where I am now. You know, from first thinking about life coaching until now, it has been a while. And now my parents don't even really mind Like they just want to make sure that I'm happy, that I'm fed, I have a roof over my head, that I have some sense of direction for my future. But it's also lucky that I have Raymond supporting me as well. But right now I'm living more in accordance with my values and I can imagine a completely different life for myself. So a few years ago, I was thinking I'll follow this particular timeline. But now I'm like, there are so many opportunities for me to change my life or to do things that I had never even thought of. Like there were so many jobs that weren't even on that job guide that are existing now. But from all my experiences, I know I've tried different things out 
I'm finally settling with something that I'm not dreading. Like, I'm so excited to wake up early each day. Not when it's cold, though, like right now. It's freezing and dark in the mornings. But I am actually excited to get up early in the morning and work towards a future that I can create for myself. And there's this podcast from my friends over at Asian Soup Podcast. They released an episode about their experiences in pursuing so many different jobs and different career opportunities. And it was so interesting and like a pat on the shoulder saying that it's okay to not have it all figured out yet. So I'm going to link it in the show notes for you to have a listen to that episode after this one because it was confirmation that we still have a long time to figure it all out. So from hearing my story, I hope I've reassured you that changing careers and changing your mind is normal and you can't expect to stick to one career forever unless you really, really love it and you found the exact thing for you, then great. But that's not the reality for a lot of people. It's also okay to not enjoy work. Like you're not offending anyone, but it's time you let go of those cultural pressures and do something about it. Like don't just totally quit your job. Take baby steps and slowly build up on the things you've always wanted to pursue, but felt like you weren't allowed to. Or if you don't know what you want to do, then start by following what you're curious about. But don't ever do what I did and work 60 hours a week doing something that you end up changing your mind on. I just want you to reflect on this question. How do you feel about your job right now? Just remember that you're a human being, not a human doing. I'll chat to you in the next episode. I'd love it if you could take a moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. So go into your Apple Podcast app, find the Second Generation Women podcast and leave a review. And to show my appreciation, I'll send you a free self-reflection scoring tool when you leave a review and send the screenshot to my Instagram DMs. I'll chat to you in the next episode.